as we remember this and that Hosanna is the word of the day for Palm Sunday, we're also mindful of another word called hallelujah, which simply means praise to you, O Lord. I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. This is um, another parable in our series on the parables. And this is the parable of the ten virgins, which kind of an interesting one, kind of different, um, not as well known as, say, the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son. And yet still, it's, it's one of Jesus' final parables. We find it in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. And at this point in the gospel, Jesus has already made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's already come in, um, that's Matthew 21, with shouts of Hosanna in the highest heaven. And now Jesus does some teaching. And this is one of the parables included in Matthew 25, right before the plot against Jesus and the Last Supper and ultimately his betrayal to the cross. And so as we read this story together today, I remind you that it's a story, and like with all parables, there's an intent with which God teaches us, and maybe don't get caught on the things that Jesus isn't worried about us taking as literally so that we don't miss the point, the greater point and intent that he offers us in this particular parable. So with your Bibles at Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, let's pray for God's blessing upon the word. And then after we read God's word together, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you are grateful, I invite you to simply respond, thanks be to God. But before we turn our attention to the word, let's pray. God, we still today could sing that prayer, Hosanna, come save us in all kinds of different ways. Lord, we pray in this moment that you come and save us from distraction, come save us from restlessness or boredom, come save us from resistance, come save us that you might open our hearts and minds to your word, that we may find in these words that you gave us, Jesus, in this peculiar and interesting story, that we find within it a call to your gospel, a call to know that you have saved us, a call to know that we have been forgiven. Lord, this we pray in your holy name, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, 
Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The story seems to open simple enough, and we can tell, even in the way that Jesus tells it, that that something's going to be happening between these different two groups, the five who were wise and the five who were foolish. And that all seems fine and good, but maybe it's that ending that, that catches us a little bit off guard. Maybe it's that Jesus tells a story in which people are told, I don't know you. It sounds kind of harsh. The imagery of the door being shut is enough in itself to make us wonder, what's going on here? What's the point and intent by which Jesus tells this parable? And especially if you remember that this is kind of happening in the middle of the night, otherwise lamps would not be necessary. The groom, bridegroom took longer to arrive than anyone expected, and so some people's lamps ran out of oil. And not only when they ran out of oil, but that adds to the idea that when the door was shut, the door that was all the festivity, the wedding party is all gathered there, the door was shut. And those without oil in their lamps would be on the other side of the shut door in darkness. And that might be enough to say, what is this supposed to mean for us? And the church has taken different approaches to this parable throughout the years. And often we say, okay, this is more of a at the end of all times thing. Those who thought, oh, I've got plenty of time. This will work out fine in the end. And then they find this moment where like, it's too late. The door has been shut. The way is closed. There is no more oil in our lamp. Therefore, there is no more light. And that is a little bit off-putting. And so, for many centuries within the church, it's been approached with a saying, there, there is this point where it's too late. This can be unsettling. But I wonder, it might be a dangerous thing for us to read just as if this is about the end of all time, or this is an only the end of life type of parable. If we read it that way, that it's only about the end times, at the very last of days, If we read it that way, we might say, oh good, that doesn't apply to me. We can read it through rather quickly. That harsh language, we'll just kind of skip over it because we're not worried about having the door shut on us. We're not worried about darkness because in fact, God is our light and that is all true. But what we should not do in that case is read through this parable too quickly and say, well, then we don't have to worry about it. Every single parable should have some piece that we can think of a long way off, but also what can we hold on to and take away for the here and now? What does it mean to be, well, of course, all of us should seek to be wise, those who took extra oil in their lamps. And for us, we might think of a more uh, familiar item such as a lantern. Some who go camping still have oil lanterns, and you have to take enough fuel with you. Otherwise, the lamp does absolutely no good once it's out of oil. This, like many lanterns today, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit, is just a battery-powered LED lantern. But the same principle applies. Eventually, if your batteries run out, the lantern, it's not going to do you any good whatsoever anymore. 
we can run out. And in that way, we could ask in the modern day, do we have any extra batteries for our lantern? If you were to retell the parable today, they'd be uh, waiting maybe for their Uber to pick them up and then they can't be seen because the lantern both helps you see and allows you to be seen. And the five who are wise are going to say, hey, just, just, just run to Walmart or Meyer and get some more batteries for your lantern. And in that moment that they're in the checkout line, that's when the whole wedding party arrives and the five who are wise leave. And the five who are foolish are going to be, well, they're going to get late to the party and the door will be shut and the opportunity will have been missed and lost. It is a strange parable. But the reason this was chosen for Palm Sunday in particular is because there might be something about this parable that we relate to Palm Sunday to hold on to. Everyone, all 10 of these virgins who are waiting for the wedding party, because you would get to join the procession, you get to go into the banquet, just like today. But there is a processional. People walk together, they march together, they played music as they went from one place to the next. And that's your entrance to the party, and you don't want to miss out on it. Well, Palm Sunday... The first Palm Sunday, as Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem on the back of a colt, as Jesus makes his way in, there's all ten. Everyone's there, wise and foolish, all the same. Everyone has enough light and enough energy, enough oil in their lamp, enough battery in their flashlight to join the great party. Palm Sunday's the fun part. Palm Sunday, everyone marches into Jerusalem and they're seeing things coming together and they're saying, Hosanna, come save us. And they're both praying it and just declaring it. God has or God will save us. Save us now, O oh God. Everyone's got enough oil in their lamp for Palm Sunday to join in the fun, to join in. I would say that first Palm Sunday, it would have been a bit of a spiritual high to have been a part of that. That was a mountaintop moment. To be waving palm branches, you wouldn't think twice about taking off your coat and throwing it on the ground for an animal to trample over it. You wouldn't think twice about it because it was a great moment that you'd want to savor and cherish. <clears throat> Everyone has enough oil in their lamp for Palm Sunday. And for us today, on the other side of the resurrection, we all have enough oil in our lamp to celebrate Christ's resurrection on Easter Sunday. But if we go back to that first Holy Week between Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, leading to the Last Supper, leading up to his betrayal, leading up to his fake trial, to his crucifixion, leading up to Christ's death as he's hung on the cross, mockingly labeled King of the Jews, not everybody has enough oil in their lamp to keep watch for that part of the week. To start out with the fun, to join in the celebrations, absolutely. All ten virgins at the beginning of this parable are ready. But then in the parable, it just takes too long. Everybody, wise and foolish, everybody gets a little bit drowsy and falls asleep. Everybody takes a nap while they're waiting. This is a reminder that it is spiritually wise to take naps, and even the wise take naps. But by the time Good Friday rolls around, by the time Jesus is hanging on a cross, who's holding their lamp up then? 
who is still watching and seeing if they can see Jesus as the lamp would give light. And also, since lamps make it impossible for you to be hidden, lamps mark your location. Who's holding a lamp up to be seen when Jesus is arrested? The disciples have scattered and are hidden. They're not holding their lamps up. Peter himself does the equivalent of smashing and breaking his lamp, of, de of denying that he even knows Jesus, all within a few days from Palm Sunday to the night of his betrayal. They want to be hidden. Lamps make you easy to spot. They want to dim their lamps, break them, hide them, run away from them. This is Holy Week. Starts in triumph, goes down to the hardest part of the story. And we know that it emerges triumphant, but it's that bottom part. It's the bottom part where we might say, I don't know if I want to hold my lamp up. Or we say, I don't know if I brought enough oil in my lamp for this. I don't know if I have spare batteries for that dark part in the middle. Jake, is this a parabola or an inverted parabola? Okay, this is the normal one. The bottom of the parabola is where we too, even though we know that we're among the five wise, we know that we'll make it through to Easter Sunday, we know all of this. But in the bottom part where things are hard, where things are dark, where we've been waiting just a little bit too long, that's where we run out of battery. We run out of oil for our lamp. We run out of gas to make the distance. And this is the warning of the parable. And you can think of it as an end-of-life parable that you want to make sure that, that your faith that we celebrated today, the faith that Pearson has professed, that the faith that is deep within us and the faith that, yes, in fact, is a gift from God that cannot be taken away by the enemy, that that faith is secure. And yes, good, that is all true. So let's think about this parable as our day-to-day -day living. Let's turn that attentive lens. The other lens is still completely true. But let's hold on and wonder about the bottom part, our own Good Friday moments, our own times of waiting. And Pearson, as we celebrate your profession of faith today, you already know that in life, there is lots and lots of waiting. And some of it's boring waiting. Some of it's waiting in traffic, which can be frustrating waiting. Some of the waiting is maybe a little more anxiety-producing, a little more nerves go on with us. I wonder for concerts and other performances that you have, I don't know this for sure, I wonder if there's any um, anxiety in the time of waiting, any nerves that come up when we're waiting for the concert to start. Those are the scary times of waiting. Waiting can be boring, it can be scary, it can be hard, and it can be disheartening. In times of waiting, we can lose hope. From this perspective, we read that it is the wise who knew to bring a little bit of oil with. As we continue lives of prayer, as we ought to be people of prayer, it's a great thing to celebrate answered prayers. That's on the other side where we get to see how God was moving and be reminded that God was moving all along, that God was already up to something. Even before we offered our first prayer, God already knew what was on our lips, on our minds, and in our hearts. But what about that time in the middle when we've been praying for a long, long time? In those times of waiting, that's where we can run out of oil. 
for our own lamps, where we've been praying for months, or in many cases, even years. And we keep praying and praying and praying, and it seems like the door is shut, and the world is dark. Those are times that we need a little bit of extra oil to keep our lamps going. And those are the hard times of waiting. As Jesus tells this parable, it's a parable to remember that there can be consequences to foolishness and that it can be easy to be discouraged. And yet also, if we reread any of the Gospels, we find Jesus celebrating, especially those who waited for such a long time, for the woman who was bleeding for years, for those who were afflicted by chronic conditions, for those who were born without the ability to walk, for those who were born, the man born blind. In all of those cases, they somehow keep enough oil in their lamp to say, I know that God will do something on the other side of this. And it is seemingly the hope that they have that is oil in their own lamp. This is a great Palm Sunday parable to remember that as we go to Good Friday services or as we remember the events of Holy Week, that a lot of people ran out of oil in their lamps for Jesus and that we should be wise to caution ourselves that we too can run out of oil in the midst of hardship or difficult waiting. But I wonder if there's another text that we can turn to to help us frame this. Well, if wisdom is the mark of having oil in your lamp, where can we find that? How do we make sure that we have enough oil? Is it simply a matter of hope? Does that seem too easy? Regardless of how you think about it, I invite you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 40 or just listen along. Because in the parable of the ten virgins, there is a weariness that sets in, and then the weariness leads us to an inopportune time for things to happen. But the Bible is full of stories of waiting. The Bible is full of characters who lost strength along the way. The Bible is full of characters whose hope got a little bit dim, whose hope flickered and dwindled in the midst of hardship. And yet, where do we see the upswing of this? How do we get from the bottom and head back up to the celebration? From hallelujah to the pits where we cry, Hosanna, God save us, to the other side where we say hallelujah again. I find the end of Isaiah 40 to be one such text in the Bible, and there's plenty we could choose from. But in Isaiah 40, beginning at verse 29, we're told this about God. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And when do we need strength? It's not in the hallelujah moments. It's not the hallelujah procession of Palm Sunday. We don't need that much strength to celebrate next Sunday on Easter. Hallelujah that Christ is risen. Those aren't the times that we need strength renewed. It's the Hosanna in the middle. 
It's the times we're saying, God, save us. God, help them. Give them relief. It's when we're praying for a broken world that seems so lost and far gone that we say Hosanna even with our own doubts. Hallelujah to hallelujah. Hosanna is in the middle. And we find in Isaiah 40, those who hope in the Lord renew their strength. That to be wise is a matter of where we place our hope and that our hope can renew us in God's strength and really only in God's strength. This is where we find hope and where we need it the most is in the Hosanna moments. And so as we go into this week, as we go from one hallelujah to the next from Sunday to Sunday, be mindful of the Hosanna rhythm of Holy Week and be mindful even of your own Hosanna moments in life. What Hosanna moment do you have right now? What prayer request is just been there? What's the thing that you've been hoping for for the longest time that hope within us starts to fade a bit? And Pearson, as we celebrate your profession of faith today, as this is a hallelujah moment, and it should be, we know, and you already know, that life is full of its Hosanna moments as well. And in the first Palm Sunday, the people sang Hosanna in the highest. They were looking to God to be their help. So when we need saving, when we need rescuing, our Hosanna is sung not to ourselves, that we can save ourselves on our own strength, but our Hosanna, come save us, we sing to Jesus and to Christ alone. Our Hosannas go. And may those Hosanna moments be moments where our hope is renewed, not because of who we are, but because of where we have put our hope, that our own lamps may get a little low on oil from time to time, and that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, that those who put their hope in Christ will find the light that cannot be overcome, and that Christ shares his light abundantly, and that there can be a sense of urgency that we can put off things all the time, that we can say, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And Jesus gives us a little bit of a deadline, a sense of urgency, that we need to renew our strength and not wait until later. For at some point, the door might be shut. And we don't want to be on the other side of that door, only in darkness. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Their lamps will be full, not only so that they can see, but that they may know that they may always be seen by their Lord who will make his face to shine bright upon you and lift his countenance towards you both now and forever. And so in Christ's peace, from hallelujah to hosanna to hallelujah again. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are our light. And in you, there is no darkness at all. You are our hope and in you there is no failing at all. So may we renew our strength. May we be wise to build up the oil that we might endure the anxious times of waiting, the scary times, the boring times, the times of doubt or wandering, that our lamps may be bright, that your word may be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and also that as we hold our lamps, renewing our strength in you, we might remember that you can see us 
that you see us in our hallelujah moments that are sincere and true, and you see us in our hosanna moments that are dark and difficult. You see us in all of this, O oh God. So we pray that you renew us, that you make us wise, that in all the ways that we need, our lamps may be full, both now and forever, until we are joined with you and there will be no more need for lamps. For you, O oh Lord, will be our light. Amen.